podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral Ben Knight. Ben, we are here to talk about Let's the. Do a- oh, thank you, sir. Uh, we are here to talk about <laughs> <laughs> the penultimate episode of Star Trek Discovery, season three. It's episode 12. There is a Tide, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Um, so I'm pretty mad, Ben. Not even. I haven't even started talking you're about this. You're mad as hell, and you're not taking this anymore, right? Yeah, I feel. I feel. There's a mix of emotions here, and this is all related to the title of the season finale episode. I don't know I if you've looked it up. Looked. So last week we exactly? last week we talked about it. Um, I said that episode twelve is called "There Is a Tide," and Which then that episode yeah. thirteen said outside and we even i even joked a little bit about how it rhymed and now i look to see what episode 13 is called and ben you'll never believe this shit but it is called Mm -hmm. the hope is you part two oh for fuck's sake so (laughs) what i've learned is that season three of discovery has been one long double episode (laughs) What is with them? I don't know what they're thinking about here. And I was going to comment on the beautiful episode title choice for mm-hmm. this episode, but now actually, no, fuck them. <laughs> not going to anymore. Not credit for anything. I mean, we're we're. Uh, I think we're becoming famous for recreating pitch pitches for things, mm-hmm. and I can clearly imagine in my mind what the pitch for this was like. Okay, guys, we're, we're going to do a two-parter called The Hope Is You. And they're like, okay, uh, what's the pitch? And he's like, okay, before we even talk about the episode, okay, we're going to do The Hope Is You part one, first episode of the season, right? And they're like, yes. Um, and they're like, okay, okay, now follow me on this one. We're going to do part two, but not until the end of the season uh, and then they're like okay okay oh. that doesn't are you thinking outside of the box 
Mm-hmm, uh, like so maybe we get an introduction then we find out something that's happened in the past and then we come back to the present day in the final episode sure yeah okay we can get behind that yeah, that's fairly normal that is what you mean right they'll tie together no that is not what we're gonna do uh there might be some <laughs> sort of maybe uh tangentially related connective tissue between the episodes uh, probably referring to the fact that Discovery is the hope or that Michael Burnham is the hope or whatever uh, for the future. But I'm thinking right. maybe that the first and the last episodes actually will not, like you couldn't watch them together and they would make sense in this manner. Right. Uh, well, well, I'll tell you, let, me, let me stop you there. Thank you very much <laughs> for, your, for your pitch. Now get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> I don't know why. I think I know why they did it because they're like, nobody's ever done this before. But I mean, you don't have to, guys. It's the the hope is you part two is essentially the third part of a three parter. I could list a whole load of things that people have not done in episode of Star Trek before that would, I mean, there is no censorship in the world of podcasting, but I'm pretty sure we'd still somehow manage to get removed from the internet if I suggested all of them. But that doesn't mean we should do any of them. Yes. Um, I mean, if we're being honest, we like this episode did not end in a conclusion like I was hoping for. Um, although I did like it better than last week's episode. Um, there were things I liked in this episode more than I liked last week's episode. Um, that being said, it did not conclude here. The final episode is the third part of this three-part story that they're doing at the end. So it's weird that it's called The Hope Is You Part 2. It's just super weird. Unless yeah. somebody's fucking around with Wikipedia. Maybe somebody's fucking around with Wikipedia. But... I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about There is a Tide, shall we? Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Um, yeah. So, Asira, she's got the Discovery, poses as an under-attacked Discovery uh, with its communications blocked. And uh, Admiral Vance decides to let the ship through the Federation's shields. Burnham and Book arrive just in the nick of time using the perilous transwarp network, which basically is turned into a trash heap. Ben, um, so I don't know what's I don't I don't know what's going on with the Borg, but they aren't keeping their uh, transwarp network very clean. Um, well, someone blew quite a lot of it up. To be fair, <laughs> that is true. Is this Although all? They had plenty fault? of time. Yes, they have had a lot of time, like a lot of time. Not nine hundred mm. years, but close. Um, True. Well, anyway, they get there just in the nick of time, uh, just as Discovery shields are dropping to pass through the Federation shields, and Book and uh, Burnham get aboard just before those shields close. Uh, Osira sends Zara. Hey, remember him from the first episode? Not dead. Everyone was hoping he'd be back. <laughs> well, he is. Um, right. Do you remember the first episode when the show was like, eh, okay, maybe, before it got really, really good? Yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah. He showed up again. Uh, he shows up to investigate Book's ship and captures him while Burnham escapes into Discovery unseen. Book is kept hostage with the bridge crew and Rin. Stamets, meanwhile, is interrogated by a scientist, Aurelio, who plans to replicate Discovery's spore drive, and the rest of Discovery's crew is released into escape pods. Osira asks to meet with Vance and unexpectedly proposes a peace treaty between uh, the Federation and the Emerald Chain. Vance considers the treaty, but insists that Osira stand trial for her crimes. This is unacceptable to Osira, so she leaves. The bridge crew escapes with the help of Book and Rin, who are captured again. 
Burnham frees Stamets and safely jettisons him from the ship. Although that's really kind of covering over the, I think, the really great performance from Anthony Rapp in this episode. Yeah, weird moment. All right, go on. Uh, Despite his wish to immediately save Colbert and Adira, Osira returns to Discovery and kills Ren. The end. Well, until next week. Uh, What did you think of There is a Tide? Uh, There is a lot, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Um, So, well, so as I was saying, you're right. I liked the title for this. Um, it's a Shakespeare quote, and it's I think it's probably it's it's, it's kind of like the it's one of those quotes that's well known but not as well known as the other ones, I guess. Mm-hmm. So the full the full quote is uh, uh, I'm going to get this wrong now probably. Uh, There's a tide in the affairs of men which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune, and I, uh, it's Julius Caesar. Um, thank you, GCSEs. Um, so the, I was just about to say the tides of March, but I'm pretty sure that's the Ides of March. It is indeed. Uh, <laughs> Apologies. That's okay. So the whole point being that, uh, in fact, the oversimplified version of that is, um, you know, there's opportunities are there, but you have some opportunities you have to take literally in the 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 moment they occur otherwise mm-hmm. you have to potentially wait a very long time again well, there's a lot of that going um, on in this episode i was about to say that is a theme is it not mm-hmm. um so and i like that because i thought well okay are they are they saying to us here you know is um is vance genuinely engaging with osira over this potential um uh, way forward because yeah. i'm gonna call it right now and say I don't believe any of that negotiation was in good faith at mm. all and I've just been no buying time yeah. Vance was buying time and I don't think it was um, just a question of buying time for the whole Burnham Nakatomi Tower scenario mm-hmm. um, obviously part of it was buying time to get um, uh, Stamets off Discovery obviously yeah. but there is something else a different type of foul play children um that was a Rickman quote because I'd mentioned Die Hard. Um, wrong film, though. <laughs> uh, but yeah, <laughs> mixing all my Rickmans. Uh, yeah, so there's there's obviously something else going on. But I did like it. I, in fact, the whole episode performed as this sort of beautiful little think piece. Uh, in terms of it being a good Star Trek episode, I'm kind of on the fence about it. But mm-hmm. I liked the the nature of that discussion. I mean, there was some beautiful sort of comic um, exposition moments with Osira and um, and Vance, but um, you know I feel like there's bits we know a few things more about. But the the sort of think piece about how you know the the holier than thou federation, as um, people still insist on imagining it to be, uh, despite all of the evidence to the contrary over the years, yes. um, you know might find a compromise with the unspeakable colourful space pirate, um, <laughs> which. You know, maybe, but there was there was some nice discussion in that as well. The um, the scene between Burnham and uh, Stamets, which, as you say, in fact, I'll, I'll let you talk about that more. But it, it, it staggeringly, I mean, exquisite performance by um, Anthony Rapp. But that scene again creates this sort of it's the thing that should never be said in Star Trek, isn't it? It's the, we all know what they all did in order to um, follow Burnham, mm-hmm. but no one on a Star, uh, Starfleet um, vessel should should ever comment on the good deeds that they've done. You virtue signaler Burnham, uh, not Burnham, um, um, Stamets. Mm-hmm. You know, that created, uh, I, I, I actually thought the reciprocal performance between him and, um, and Burnham were, were, were brilliant. The, mm-hmm. You know, I, kind of believed 
the struggle that they were having um uh, with sort of brain and um uh, and heart of course it was the right decision obviously but it you know it was an interesting journey to get us to it um but there were other sort of, there are so many other little bits going on in here we had a sort of weird redemption arc for our blue friend um whose name i've already forgotten um our sacrificial andorian uh we Rin. yeah that's the chap yeah um we were at least happy to um see that we didn't end up with uh, a perpetual leather coat wearing bad guy um as is the occasional way of uh american um fantasy dramas these days uh so quite glad to see you know various comeuppances and so on um and um probably one of the most enduring um actors kenneth mitchell uh, who i think i was trying to figure this out on imdb i think this is his seventh star trek character now <laughs> um, no he's getting and, up there he's he's getting close yeah. uh, i wonder who the record holder is is that um oh, i'm trying to think of his name combs on fist jeffrey combs. oh it could be yeah it could be um and certainly nobody's played more notable star trek characters than him i don't think no i think that's got to be right um but yeah so this is like including voices this is his i think seventh um wow star trek character oh, to be fair three of them were from lower decks in terms of voiceovers mm-hmm. but yeah um but the nice thing about that is is that um kenneth mitchell who uh, suffers from als and has done for a couple of years um he's now confined to a wheelchair and mm-hmm. the fact that um you know far from shying away from that he has chosen to to take this role and to um a kind of showcase mm-hmm. i guess uh we've come a long way since pike's wheelchair haven't we we um, sure have and you know i i just i like the fact that he was there i actually thought it was a, a very personable character and i quite like the yeah because star trek has so many times has, has done the kind of you know let's be honest slightly nazi doctor thing mm-hmm. um uh, the questionable scientist and they've started like that mm-hmm. and you know the the albeit kind of mini arc that they brought him back on as he you know began to see who Osira really was. Yes. Um. You know that that, that was uh. I was gonna say enjoyable to watch. I don't know. I have it's a certain... feeling he will be helping turn the tide in the next episode. I think you may be right. Yes. Um. As may indeed be um a certain bunch of ninjas from um. <laughs> oh uh, man. Pointy eared location. Um. I'm just putting that out there too we haven't even uh, talked uh, about the robots yet i was about to say we've not talked about the robots we've not talked about um the slightly eerily quick but still quite cute whole um thing with adira uh we've not talked about any of this stuff or, or indeed replicators um uh, and their source material which i enjoyed <laughs> oh man um, yes <laughs> yeah and then, and then as you say we get to the dot bots um and the the incidentally the three colored dot bots of course yes uh, i noticed that um all three colors are represented there i wonder if we're now going to have a sort of trifecta of dot bots being the manifestation um of the sphere, uh, data. The sphere data until it ultimately becomes um zora which i'm pretty sure the sphere eventually it becomes eventually becomes um yeah. now do you wager that the bots with their three colors representing the mm. three colors in Starfleet. Mm. Um, does that mean like if there's a problem in sick bay, the blue ones will go uh, oh, yeah. do that or 
Or are you like me, Ben, and believe that there's just mm-hmm. a, a chain of command for these robots uh, where one of them is like the captain of the robots and the other one is like, you know, uh, like there's a lower ranked robot. Cute, but also slightly unnerving because, yes. um, I mean, Zora might, by the time we hit Calypso, have gone mad. I mean, there is a very distinct chance of that. I think it was Possibly. something mentioned when we were talking about it. Um and certainly her taste in films has changed, um, <laughs> yes. but, but not much. No. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, maybe, but then we started getting into the, you know, computer. I mean, we, we're used to having um, artificial intelligence and artificial life forms in Star Trek now yeah. and having that discussion a million times. Yeah. Um, we're now going to be like, okay, so artificial life form, that's fun, has overall control really over this shit that's never gone badly no. especially when using the word control yeah um and also what, what? multiple personalities mm. uh, yeah sure mm. i mean that should be okay yeah yeah what could possibly go wrong yeah so there's a lot going on here um there is quite a certain cartoon elephant um i uh, despite all of this all of this light and noise and the and the the i thought again another good bit of bridge crew development um yeah, when they were all being held hostage. Um, despite all of that, there's something wrong with this episode for me, and it's difficult for me to quite put my finger on it, other than to simply say it's another example of a, a, a good sort of setup episode where, and, and I realise people are going to go, God, you can never fucking please him. Yes, I complain when Star Trek does Glacial. I actually feel like we've been a bit rushed this season because mm-hmm. there are so many things that have happened that we now know have happened during yes. this season's timeline um, that we just haven't seen. We're just supposed to go, mm-hmm. oh, apparently some point off screen, all that's gone on. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd rather move quickly and have to keep up than you know, be sort of desperately willing it on. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, it's more about it's more about pacing than um, yeah than anything else for me and th- this was a great episode in terms of moving stuff forward but mm. uh, it, it all just feels a bit uneven I know exactly how you feel I know I, I can for me I can pinpoint it I know why um, last week's episode and this week's episode have not been sitting as well for me mm. and that's just because uh I liked what they were doing before. This feels more like a return to what season two felt like, which I didn't hate, but like what they were, what they were doing basically from like episode three all the way up until about episode nine or so, or 10, Mm -hmm. uh, like that's my jam. That's the star Trek. I love the most. Um, I, I don't have a problem with arcs. I don't have a problem with two parters or things like that. Um, I feel like pace wise, they're moving at a pace like like the original, like the older shows did, where they had at least double the amount of episodes, but they mm-hmm. don't here. So everything yeah. feels a little more rushed. Like uh I liked that the burn was included to a degree in all of the episodes, but for the most part was kind of a background noise in those episodes. Um, kind of akin to how Deep Space Nine would often handle the Dominion War. Now, mm-hmm. as the Dominion War was going, growing closer and closer to a close, it got focused on more and more, uh, which makes sense. But they stretched that out over the course of at least a couple of full seasons. 
Mm. Um, like they would have plenty of like episodes where the Dominion War is still ongoing, but other things happen too sometimes, and we're taking a break from that to focus oh, on the Dominion, these things. But the Dominion War made sense, whereas yes. then, unless we get some. So if, uh, either yes. they just need to bury that now, which I don't think they can really. Well, I mean, and we're down to, to one, right? And we're down to one episode. Yeah, and it feels like they're just going to leave it at there is like a mutant Kelpian who got really mad one day and blew up all the dilithiums. Like, yeah. didn't even know, didn't even know he was causing this big problem. Yeah, it's like a reverse. I'm not in love with that. That's yeah, what I think we covered last he, week. He's like. He's like a reverse Frodo and the Hobbits, where <laughs> one person can change the course of the future forever, but in a good way. Here, uh, this guy unknowingly did it in a horrible way for everybody. We need Kelpian Bastion to come and save us and <laughs> think of a new mineral. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Mix your fantasy franchises here, boys and girls. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, let's let us talk. Well, first, you know, let's let's get the. Uh, Let's get the the elephant in the room out of the way real quick. Uh, Vance talked about how the f- the replicated food is made from shit, and he literally says shit. He's like, uh, "That's made from our shit." Uh, yeah. And Osir is like, "What? Uh, gross!" And like sets it down. He's like, "No, no, no." You no, let no. me eat that? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "No, no, 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 no." We 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 break it down to a molecular level, and then you know we reform it into you know. Uh, other things that we, we eat. Uh, and quite frankly, you're not eating shit uh, at that point. When you break stuff down to its biochemical level, it's not that Isn't it everything shit? Yes, quite literally. If you, mm. eat a, if you eat a real apple right now, that's what it'll eventually turn into once it's broken down. Mm. Or at least parts of it will be turned into that once it's broken down. The French um, fed it to their cows. Mind you, we can't talk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just reverse engineering their shit and returning it into food. Um, mm. And I like that he takes a bite and he's like, well, not bad America for shit. America turns it into presidents, they turn it into food. <laughs> I, I just like that he takes a bite and he's like, not bad for shit. Um, mm. <laughs> that's not really This coffee tastes like shit. <laughs> well, shit, funny that you say that. <laughs> Um, do I have a story for you? Um, that reminds me of the, uh, that reminds me of that, uh, episode of Enterprise where they are, uh, they're being asked questions by a class back on earth. And one of the kid, one of the kids wants to know, like, what do you do with your poop? Yeah. Uh, when you go to the bathroom and he's like, commander Tucker can answer that question. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you're giving me the poop question. Then he should have said, we turn it into apples, kid. Yep. <laughs> Um, that was the future. But he didn't. <laughs> Welcome to the future, jazz hands. Um, so that's not what happened. Honestly, that is not the elephant in the room. We need to talk. I, let's talk about Anthony Rapp. Uh, yeah. I thought he was tremendous in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and had one of the more realer feeling moments in Star Trek that I can remember in a while. And... We've talked about it, and there's been a few scenes like that. And we talk about how great Sonequa Martin-Green is at conveying emotion, and she always feels real when doing this. Yeah, and she oh, did she the really she, she did the same here in this scene mm-hmm. as well. But Anthony Rapp totally took it from her. Um, he was tremendous yeah. here. So uh, basically, she's like on the ship. She frees Stamets, and 
He's like, okay, cool, great. Uh, can we go get Saru and not to mention Hugh? Because, you know, they're still in that nebula, dying from radiation poisoning. And she's like, I, I get you, but Osira here wants to, like, destroy what's left of the Federation. We can't, we can't do that at all. And Paul's, uh, his loyalty to the Federation just went out the window. He's mm-hmm. talking it was about replaced with a visceral, like v- visibly, yeah, visceral response. Yeah, it? I mean, he's well. I mean, at first he's talking about like he he's lost Hugh once. He cannot lose him again, and he just refuses to. And he's like, "What about Adira? What about them?" And she's like, "Burnham's like uh, Adira, kind of just snuck along for the ride. They're there too, and not the." Yeah. Yes. Paul is like, fuck this. Like, we're going to go get them. Like, are you fucking nuts? Like, we got to save them. Like, <laughs> Burnham's trying to trying to calmly, like, be like, this is not the time. We got to do this first. And then he just loses it on her. Like, you know, we followed you here. Um like we we did that because we didn't want you to be alone in this future. Like we sacrificed so much for you. Uh and he was basically saying like I'm sick of it. I'm not like we're doing something for me. I need to do this. And he's like you uh, what, I can't remember the exact line, but he's like you can't take away everything that means like anything to me or whatever that line was. It was like it hit me hard. Um, he was tremendous. And she's like, no, I need to put you in this weird bubble suit thing. And I need to eject you into space. And Starfleet's going to pick you up because you're way too important to Osira. Uh, like you need to be somewhere safe. And he's like screaming at her, like to not do this. And she, she does it anyway. Like, and you know where they're both coming from. And it was not easy on her either. As soon as she does it, she's like visibly upset. Like, she knows what she's doing. She's risking those people's lives, but she's weighing it. You know, the old Vulcan saying, Ben, she's weighing it against all the other lives. Well, quite. Which, of course, is what Paul and the rest of the crew did before they made the decision. It wasn't about following her, but he just said it in a moment of... He was mad. That's okay, Paul. Yeah, it was was superhuman. Yes. You changed to enjoy opera, we found out this week. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I love that scene. Uh, you talked about um, the introduction of the scientist Aurelio. I thought he was really fantastic. I loved their interactions because the first time mm. you meet him, they certainly want to give off this mad Nazi scientist vibe or something. Yeah. But then when he starts talking, it seems like this guy is very much in the dark about Osira. And he very much thinks that they are doing the right thing. Um, that sometimes doing the right thing means doing something that's not so great, but he doesn't think they're doing anything that bad. Mm. And they're like, whoa, dude, like, no, bad shit is happening, and you need to, you need to see what's really going on here. Um, and then he eventually does see it for himself once everything starts breaking down and their plan, Osiris' plan starts failing. Um then he does uh he does in fact start seeing it and i would not be surprised yeah if he if he teams up with them so yeah for me there was more to like in this episode than in what did you make of tilly's performance in this episode uh, i mean i continue to like tilly um i mean they're clearly 
If they're going to keep doing what they're doing with her, though, they need to give her a promotion or something. Um, because they're certainly positioning her as, like, they keep putting her in a position where it's like she is the first officer. She's not, like, acting first officer. Like, but I... Mm, is she going to retain that at the end of this season? Because... Well, right, that's the thing. I'm just saying the way that... It was on her watch that, you know... That's true. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the way they are portraying... And I imagine it'll be Tilly and her team... And the robots, uh, I believe that they will probably be the the driving factor into them regaining the ship. Um, yeah. Hopefully, this results in her receiving and, and ninja nuns. Yes, uh, hopefully, hopefully this results in her receiving uh, a promotion of some kind because it is still weird that she's acting first officer yet retains the rank of ensign. I which... mean, even Osiris taking the piss out of that. Yes. Although I mean, that was a nice exchange. It was. I mean, and they recognize it as well. So they do recognize that it's unusual. But I think they're trying to, I think they're hoping that the audience will go with them because these are unusual circumstances for everything. Um, so I think maybe that's what they're tying things down onto. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's just like a hard rule, like Starfleet's like, we're going to allow this. But when you actually choose, choose your first officer, they have to be of like a commander rank or like lieutenant commander. It has to be somewhere. in. So there. he fixes the problem by promoting it, assuming he makes it back from. Yeah. Um, well, uh, no, no, but I mean, I mean, because we didn't hear anything about them. Yes. Well, I mean, aren't promotions, though, incremental? Like, I don't know if you can go from ensign to lieutenant commander. Um, well, uh, I don't know whether it's unprecedented. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it would be bloody weird. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know anything about military chain of command. I presume that it is incremental that you. But go it is from incremental. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you can. Uh, I don't jump. know whether there's. Yeah, that's what I said. I don't know whether there's. I suppose. I mean, I, you always speaking, you could if a number of people died, but that's yeah, a rather I'm, dismal prospect. Yeah, I mean, you always hear the stories of like wartime field promotions well we've seen field promotions in, in star, star trek, trek 4 in, yeah. in voyager well yeah um, and in uh and in uh uh best of both worlds riker's given yes, uh true. field command of the enterprise he's getting field promotion to captain yeah yeah i mean there's yeah I'd, I'd be surprised if we get much of a step up but then it would also be weird to her uh for her to jump from ensign to yeah commander so maybe it'll be a sort of and by the way don't you know, mention don't mention that field promotion in voyager to, to harry kim he will be very upset i know totally <laughs> upset. still it's um, still still in the same spot after all this time <laughs> i think there'll be precedent for um the lieutenant being a first officer mm -hmm. um there probably is one in current canon that i can't immediately think of mm -hmm. and therefore um yes an ensign can't be but um a lieutenant can be and therefore yeah promote promote i what's your prediction i do you share my view of vance that um all of the the negotiation was purely stalling and that he's in on some badass plan almost certainly like i don't think that he i mean i'm not even sure what osira's game was here um i'm not sure what she was necessarily hoping to get out of this uh well except, she was except, she was genuine okay. according to yeah. um the, the lie detector. Well, no, according to the lie detector bot, yes. um, the convenient plot device who we mentioned previously, yes. that's going to be useful at some point later. So maybe she um, just wanted the Federation off her tail or... Um, yeah, 
maybe she just wanted well, an actual working agreement. There's probably some truth in what she says. I mean, she's a you know intergalactic capitalist at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and um, which if you follow any of the online Star Trek forums, particularly on Facebook, the, the constant argument about um, uh, capitalism and communism. Um, you can imagine this week that's gone mental um, because of the whole issue with that. But the yeah, I mean, it's it's what she says in that negotiation is not incompatible with pretty traditional, you know, nineteenth century um, capitalism, let alone twenty um, first or much much later. So I'm not surprised that she's telling the truth. I just think that she thinks that's compatible with the standards of decency that the Federation would prefer to uphold. She says, you know, we'll uphold your prime directive uh, or at least keep our interference with it to a minimum mm-hmm. um, because we think that's a cost, a price worth paying for our, our capitalist control of what, you know, what, what's already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would not be the first example of that in the world. That is a trade negotiation. That is how that works. Sure. Um, a, com- a country that will not trade with a country with a particularly bad human rights record at present is engaging in exactly the sort of discussion that they're having and a country that does trade with um, such a country is doing exactly what the Federation is doing there if they f- sign that agreement with um, uh, with the Emerald Chain. So mm-hmm. what they're discussing, everyone's saying, oh, you know, oh, it's, it's moral thorny ground. It's, hey kids, it's not. That's just, you know, good old, old fashioned capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, so that—that's why I say it's a good think piece because all these people go, "Oh, the Federation would never entertain an idea like, really?" Because mm, seems pretty um, consistent with at least human behaviour. Um, yeah. You'd hope not by them, but of course, necessity and all that. Um, so the question is, does the Federation say, "Well, we'll make the the deal with the devil, as it were," uh, in order to? Um, bring about some type of peace, albeit at the massive cost of lives, uh, or do we um, dupe um, the space pirate and do something better instead? I know which one I'm going to bet on, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so final thoughts on the penultimate episode of Season 3, Ben, and what would you give it? Um, perhaps controversially, only going to give this a three and a quarter um, mm. and the reason being that, yeah, as I say, there's a lot going on here, much of which I enjoyed, however um, it, 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 as I say, something about the pacing of this whole episode just just jarred throughout for me yeah. um, and I feel like that's going to be harsh because when we get the payoff to it uh, in the next episode, all being well I feel like I'm going to feel very silly for saying that. But at the moment, on its own, as a standalone three and a quarter. Okay. Um, yeah, as I was saying, I like this episode more than last week's. Uh, still a little disappointed that it ends without any resolution here. I was kind of hoping for something else. Instead, it feels like we'll get a resolution maybe half of the way or three quarters of the way through this episode and then they will probably do something at the end to lead into whatever they're going to do next season which they're already filming so uh i went with three and a half so just a quarter step above you but i feel like we're in the ballpark um Mm -hmm. on our feelings on this episode hopefully uh we get something really good in the finale episode um in the meantime, everybody, you can head on over to cinemageekly.com. Oh, no, oh, no, no, hold no, on. No. I forgot, of course. Oh, no. Ben's not going to let me get away. 
with bonus us. this week. It depends on your view. Um, <laughs> Shit, okay. Listeners to Cinema Geekly uh, shows, of, I think various different shows on the network, will know that every now and again, I like to bring about a little game. Don't worry, kids, it's not the Etsy game. Don't have to run away. It's worse. Um, everyone loves a trend, don't they? And right now, what could be more on trend than Cameo? <laughs> yes, that's Cameo.com. They yes. don't sponsor us. Um, they don't make booze, so they can't sponsor us because we're only sponsored by booze people. Um, so uh, this week's game um, is a, a very simple game of higher or lower. Um, okay. I'm going to give you the name of uh, an actor from the, the universe of Star Trek uh, Discovery, mm-hmm. and I'm simply going to ask you whether the value of their standard request, that's the amount to get them to send you a message, yeah. is higher or lower. But of course, it wouldn't be any fun if we called it this cameo game, higher or lower. So let me think, cameo, cameo, cameo. Hmm. Um, let's call it cameo or Jellico. <laughs> at this point, if we had a budget, if we had a sponsor, for example, uh, then of course we'd be playing a theme tune, but we haven't. So yeah. I need your answer. Cameo for higher and Jellico, obviously, for lower. Uh, ben, is this okay. uh, is this related to Captain Edward Jellico, who once it took command of the is. USS Enterprise one seven zero one D? It was the only Star Trek related word I could find that rhymed with cameo. I believe so, I believe that was for Chain of Command episodes one. All and right, two. nerdy m- nerds. Um, <laughs> I haven't had yeah. that much to drink, as it turns out. Mm, fair, fair. Um, it's odd. I thought of what's something negative to do with Star Trek. Oh, what's that captain's name again? Oh, it rhymes. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, so we are going to start with um, uh, Chancellor Laurel herself, the mother of Klingons, uh, Mary Chefo. Nice. Now she's on cameo. Hey to her. Um, I'm going to read the bios because that's half the fun. Mm-hmm. It's only brief. Um, so uh, I play Chancellor Laurel, mother of Klingons on Star Trek Discovery. Looking forward to giving you and your loved ones some Klingon shout outs. I also sing and love reciting Shakespeare. Kapla. That is her bio. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm going to get to recite some Shakespeare in Klingon. Uh, but I'm going to pay her to do that. And for her, do you want to take a rough guess? Now, I'm going to do this in pounds, but. It's about the same in dollars. Yeah, so, pounds and like, dollars are not super far off. Yeah, so that gives us a sort of vague idea. Yeah. I could do it in Bitcoin, but it fluctuates literally every 15 minutes today. Yeah, um, well, I mean, and it'd have to be like a 0.0025 Bitcoin. It's complicated, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay, so how much, just as a ballpark, given that you may or may not know anything about Cameo, how much do you think it would cost to get her to say... Kapla or similar to you with a little personalized video message from Mary Chifo. I'm going mm-hmm. to guess thirty pounds. This is my guess. Oh, that's awkward. That was what? weird. You disappeared on me exactly as you said that. I think you <laughs> did. You say thirty pounds? I did say thirty pounds. Okay, now you are correct. It is exactly thirty pounds. Holy shit! Off to a good so, start off to a very good start you are off to the races and who are you going to encounter next at the races well um you're going to encounter someone from 13 reasons why and my so-called life and star trek discovery one wilson cruz Ah, so i need to know i need to know from mary to wilson is it cameo or jellico Ooh. um through my well, I'm going to use deductive reasoning here, like Sherlock Holmes. 
mm-hmm. uh, and wager based off of his more significant screen mm-hmm. time and roles. I will say cameo for Mr. Mm-hmm. Locking it You're going to say cameo. Locking it in. <laughs> I haven't got any idents or assets for this. Um, the correct answer is, in fact, you want to take a guess? Um, it is cameo. Is it? Okay, I would have said 40. Mm, you need to set your sights a little bit higher. Really? £56.25. Oh, not bad. Wow, a very precise amount. Right? Although he's very popular. He's got uh, five stars from 77 people. I love the fact they're star reviewed because, like, if you're getting these off Cameo, mm-hmm. then you probably like the person you're getting them from. Quite a bit, yeah. Five stars. Yeah. Um, okay, brilliant. Excellent. So we're at 56.25 for Wilson Cruz. We are going to head in a different direction now okay. we're going to head up to the bridge and we're going to head for uh keela detmer on star trek uh, she oh. was also of course in crimson peak murdoch mysteries girlfriend experience and the greatest christmas party ever i talk of course Everyone about, about that. emily coots yes so um oh she's got very festive backgrounds as, as emily anyway um is she uh cameo or Jellico, remember the last one is fifty six pounds twenty five. Yeah, she's, she's got, got a lot, lot of. Shows. She lists a lot of shows. She uh, does, but I think I have only heard of one of them. So Jellico, she responds very quickly. You're going to say Jellico? Yeah. Oh. You're right. And Thank do you, you know how um, how much she is? Uh, I'm going to say she's right in that. I'm going to say thirty five. And yeah, again, set a little bit higher, thirty-seven fifty. So <sighs> close, yeah, though. I think good. I think I get credit. I think you do. It's interesting with her. You have an additional option to chat for three pound seventy-four. Oh. I mean, I'm not exploring it. Um, Clearly, they are going off is. of American U.S. dollars because I think that's why the exchange, like the the yeah, the, the British pounds right. prices are so weird. Yeah. It is weird. And actually, oddly, there's nowhere to change currency on the um, page that I could find, which is hmm. very unusual. Um, okay, so there we are. We've got two more left. Uh, Emily Coots at thirty-seven fifty. Uh, we now move to <laughs> well, what a list. Uh, what we do in the shadows? No, <laughs> no. the the remake of Nosferatu, uh, the Flash, Teen Wolf, Arrow. Stop me when you got it. Falling Skies. Oh wow! Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Buffy, of course. We're talking about Doug um, Jones. We are talking about Doug Jones, Captain Saru himself. Um, we are at. 37.50 for Emily Coots. Yeah. Um, Doug Jones, is he cameo or Jellico? I'm sorry, Emily, but this is definitely cameo. It is cameo. But is it a big jump? It is a little jump? Is it a spore drive jump? What sort of jump is it? I mean, Doug Jones is very well known. Uh, but he's also very badly lit and looks like nowadays Richard O'Brien in a lot of the screenshots. <laughs> but he responds um, typically within the day, which is the fastest I've seen on Cameo. I'm going to say 65 pounds going well, above our highest, going above Wilson you, Cruz. You, sir, would be in for a bargain. And don't all rush because he's only 45 pounds. Wow. Really? He's got a staggering number. Well, by Cameo standards, 194 um, people who've reviewed him. Shit. And he also, well, he'll offer a chat for £1.49. It's almost wow. like worth getting his views on the last episode for £1.49 to read out on the show. <laughs> we should do that every that. week. <laughs> I know, right? Um, just throwing that out there. 
Um, I've got quotes out of people for this network. Ben, for, ben, for those for that kind of a deal, I think we need to find out if they'll do iDents uh, for our podcast. Well, for those, as places. you know, I will do all sorts of things to get an iDent for the Cinema Geekly Network. Yes, you know, um, so, <laughs> uh, now I'll question it. Right. So, yes, he is in there at forty-five pounds, an absolute bargain. A fast responder um, mm-hmm. does look a bit like Richard O'Brien in his very badly lit flat uh, when he responds, but. <laughs> Yeah, gotta love him. Well done, Doug Jones. And on to our final one. Uh, we go to Ian Alexander. Oh. Uh, Ian Alexander, an actor from the OA, from The Last of Us Part Two, rather weirdly specifically, mm-hmm. um, really couldn't place him in The Last of Us Part Two, and then looked up. Oh yeah, um, and Discovery. Whoa, and whoa, whoa. Who is he in Last of Us Part an, Two? Uh, oh, I'll have to look it up again. Hold on. Was he one of like Abby's uh, friends or something in Last of Us? I think. So hang on a minute. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Ah, we can cut this out. This is nah. inane searching. Um, the correct answer. It wasn't on the page that I was looking at before. Um, there we go. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, Lev. he played Lev. There you, there you go. Hang on. You just looked this up. So now you know who it is in Star Trek. I'm sure you know who actually, it is. Actually, I did. Um, actually, I don't remember his. I don't. I know who you're talking about, but I don't remember his character's name. So Ian Alexander plays Gray. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think what else. The OA Every Day, which is a film I haven't seen from 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Last of Us and Discovery. Okay, so we are on Doug Jones at £45 mm-hmm. with a chat for £1.49. I'm totally doing that later. Yeah. Um, and we move to Ian Alexander. Is Ian Alexander cameo or Jellico? I'm going to go with Jellico. Locking it in. Locking it in. Do you want to take a... St- Dab at the price. Well, am I am I right first? Is it Jellico? It is Jellico. Okay. A lot of fans. A lot of fans. Just saying. So far, perfect score on the cameo mm, or Jellico. Perfect score. Need to make these harder. Um, um, <laughs> well, this feature's never returning, executive producer. Okay, <laughs> um, um, let's say, what, what was Doug Jones? It was, Doug uh, Jones was 45 pounds. Yeah, let's say he's a youngin. I'm going to mm-hmm. say 25. Um, you were right saying Youngen, by the way. Ian Alexander is 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from Salt Lake City. Uh, just run to Did not know that. Okay. Yeah, lives in LA, but from Salt Lake City. Uh, I, uh, whatever, the, they, whatever they call people from Utah. A, a Utahian. Utah, Utah Saints. That's a different <laughs> thing. Um, okay, the correct answer is 30 pounds. Oh, okay. And Very you can chat for one pound forty nine, which is the same price as chatting to Doug Jones. Huh? Huh? Oh, well, this ga- this game is fun, Ben, and I approve I of know, it. right? Especially since I won all of the rounds. Um, I agree. And can I just say, cameo in terms of like late review trend spotting, cameo is totally a thing this year. I would say now, since we should continue this going forward. You want to, to know to... about Gates McFadden? No, you stalker! Stop it. I feel like I feel like yes, we need to expand it past. There's so many other Star Trek shows. Uh, we should expand it. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I I hope William Shatner has a cameo, and I dread to see what the price is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think I would come to this show without having looked into that? <laughs> oh, did you? Um, is he I, on there? I was certain when I looked him up he wouldn't be on there because yeah, uh-huh. I've, I've attempted to interview him before, and yes. I know how 
goddamn awkward he is. Uh, the answer is no, he's not on there. Gates McFadden is on there, but rather controversially, she's been she's only on the app and not on the website, and hmm. she's been removed from the website, and we don't know why. Although I was looking into it, and it turns out it might simply be because she doesn't always respond fast enough. <sighs> you get like um, reviewed depending on how quickly you respond. To ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You know. John Cleese is on there though, so if you want to get him before he dies, um, then you could. He will do Zoom calls with you. Wow, Cleese. Like, Cleese, for 10 minutes with four of your friends, just don't ask him to... You know what you're not to ask him to do. Uh, <laughs> you can have Pee Wee Herman. I mean, there's so many people on here. Um, so None yeah. of the ones who want to be on here, but others... I imagine there's a. I imagine there's a bunch. I imagine there's everybody from Anthony Montgomery to uh, Robert Anthony Duncan Montgomery. McNeil. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I'm going to save some of some of these. Uh, I mean, just spoilers. Anthony Montgomery, of course, is on there. But yes, yes, <laughs> he's he's pricey, by the way. Um, Holy that's shit! General well, Hospital fan base. That's an early spoiler. 20, for I know. I'm going to stick it in there anyway because I know I'm paying that fifty-six pound twenty-five. Anthony, wow. no. Have you not no. seen Doug Jones, sir? On cameo, well, exactly. I mean. I mean, I like I like you, but there's no way there's enough people who like Enterprise enough to be like, that's worth it. Uh, no, but they do love General Hospital. <laughs> well, mm, there you go. There you go, listeners. If you like the game Cameo or Jellico, which will be, of course, rebranded on each of the other Cinema Geekly shows that we do as soon as I think of something to rhyme with Cameo. Yes. Uh, then why not let us know? If you don't like it, I don't care. Don't at us. You can just skip. It's fine. Yeah, you just skip this part. You can just turn it off. Uh, mm. Every time I try to go to end the podcast, and Ben's like, "Wait, hold on, we're not done yet. You can't escape. Um, <laughs> that you can turn it off then if you really want to." Um, I'm gonna wait just a second to make sure Ben does not have another game show to spring on me. I have nothing. Okay. Nothing. Well, then, in the meantime, everybody, you can go to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show, and of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for "I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast." Hit subscribe, and that way you can come back next time to hear us talk about more Star Trek Discovery. Season 3, Episode 13, The Finale. The Hope is You. Is it? Oh, no, it's That Hope is You. Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. The Hope, the hope is a female sheep. Join us for that. <laughs> Let's, hold on a second. Uh, okay. I keep mispronouncing, my bad. I keep mispronouncing. I keep I keep thinking the episode is called The Hope That Is You or something. No, it's called That Hope Is You. And we're going to talk about That Hope Is You, part two. We still get a rhyme in there at the end. We still get a rhyme.